Yes, I am reading from Hebrews 2, verse 5 to 18. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified, What is mankind that you are mindful of them, a son of man that you care for him? You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to brothers, to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Since, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted." Hello, hola, it is so good to see you again, I hope you feel the same. What a joy, I have to say, what a privilege to be with you all in Keswick, uh, but what a pressure, <laughs> I feel deeply grateful and nervous. By God's grace, Keswick has such a history and legacy and hearing testimonies such as the one we have heard from Jocelyn and Ken just adds to the pressure. At least I was weeping as a baby, convicted by the Lord, and thinking, what am I going to say later? Thank God it's his, it's his word. But thank you once again for your very warm welcome. It is fantastic to be in the UK again. And being in the UK, I had to read BBC News. And I was doing so, so and, and came across a very profound question that an article was uh, asking yesterday 
I don't know if we can have the screen, the article. <laughs> and uh, actually, I was reading, it's going to be sunny on Saturday in southern Spain. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I thought you would also be happy to hear that I had my excellent cup of tea with scones this morning. And... And have had the rain, so the full British experience. Thank you very, very much. But going back to questions, um, there is one that is so infinitely more important than a weather question. Actually, it is the most important question anyone can ask. It is so important that Jesus himself asked this question to some of his followers, and said, who do you say that I am? Who am I, Jesus says, to you? And I think the author of Hebrews was in a way concerned with the same question, with the most important question. He was making several points wanting to help his hearers and readers to grasp a fuller understanding of who Jesus is. And as we heard on Saturday, Jesus is greater than the prophets. Then on Sunday, that Jesus is greater than the angels. And we were challenged yesterday to remain faithful, knowing who Jesus is. And now we find ourselves in chapter 2 of Hebrews, where the author continues to talk to us about angels, but giving us more revelation of who Jesus is, wanting his audience to be filled with a renewed revelation of Christ and also certainly wanting us, by God's grace today, to also be even more impressed by the reality of our Lord Jesus. There is so, I, was, I have to say, I was wrestling with this text there is so much meat there. Sorry, apologies to the vegetarians and vegans among us. There was so much fruit and vegetables in this passage. So we won't be able to go through everything. But in the next three hours that James has given me, <laughs> allow me to highlight what I Hope is a faithful exposition of what God, through the preacher of Hebrews, is seeking to bring to us. Would that be okay? Even if you said no, this is what I have prepared. So, <laughs> he tells us, it is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking but there is a place where someone has testified. Certainly the audience of Hebrews 
was struggling to be convinced about the fact that Jesus had become a man. Most possibly in their worldview, as we saw the other day, angels were very highly thought of. And the author of Hebrews continues to talk about angels now to make a case as to why Jesus became a man and not, for example, an angel. It would still be lower than God, but he became a man. And we learn several aspects of the Lord Jesus. First of all, the author of Hebrews, who quotes the Old Testament 40 times, Now we'll quote the Old Testament on four occasions to show that Jesus became a man because, first of all, it is a fulfillment of the promises of God in the Old Testament. This is happening according to God's prophecies hundreds and hundreds of years ago. He's going to quote Psalm 8 and says, What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But, and this is so exciting, but... We do see, and for the first time in the book of Hebrews, he gives us, his audience as well, the name of whom he was speaking from the beginning. He was referring to him as the Son of God, God in other ways, but now he seems to come to a climax in his arguments and says for the first time, but we do see Jesus. Jesus is about whom I have been talking about. And the Old Testament and God's scriptures and the prophets were talking about. Jesus, who was made lower than the angels. Yes, God became a human being. Yes, even lower than the angels. It was prophesied in the Old Testament, but also secondly, it reveals to us the humility of our Lord. In verse 9, once again, but we do see Jesus. And he says, following the revelation of the name of whom he has been talking about, who was made lower than the angels. Humility is essentially a Christian virtue. We could say God is humble. And there is no true unity of the church without humility. There is no true gospel without humility. There is no true mission without humility. There is no true church without humility. Because there is no true God without humility. Humility. And in his humility, Christ dignified human life, even identifying himself with the outcast, the least, and the marginalized of society. 
He became a slave and chose to die the most humiliating death in the Roman Empire, one that was reserved for the worst criminals. And of course, I don't think we can talk about this without being reminded of an ancient, probably an ancient song that Paul uses in his letter to the Philippians when he says, Christ Jesus, who being in nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You can't go lower than that. God humbled himself, lower than the angels, became a man, and among men became a slave, and as a slave, he was killed. You can't go lower than that. God Almighty. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Notice, please, how Hebrews is doing the same. We read in verse... Um, we read in verse 9, Who was made lower than the angels for a little while. So yes... Jesus portrays uncomparable humility. But now, Hebrews continues to say, crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. He's humble. But in third place, we are impacted by the glory of the Jesus the author of Hebrews is talking about. Humbled. Unglorified. That's our Lord. But in fourth place, we come across his emphasis on the death of Christ. For example, in verse 9, we read He suffered death. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. And the death of the Lord Jesus, according to the author in Hebrews 2, brings us so many amazing benefits. Salvation for sure, which is seen in the freedom, in the life, in the atonement. Allow me to read again some of the verses in this passage highlighting the fact that, yes, the Old Testament prophesied about the fact that Jesus was going to become a man. He was humbled, then glorified, and he died in our place. For example, we see in verse 17. For this reason, he had to be made like them. Fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement 
for the sins of the people. Yes, he had to become a man as well in order to die in our place, in order to make atonement. Yes, thanks to Jesus' sacrifice, we are forgiven. The righteous and holy wrath of God is poured out upon himself in the person of his son. Yes, the eternal punishment that we deserve has been exchanged by eternal life thanks to Jesus. And we receive life, verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power. So, okay, Jesus had to become a man to be identified with us and die in our place. So what? He could break the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. His death, therefore, brings salvation manifested in the atonement, in the eternal life that he is giving to us. Also, in the freedom, according to verse 15, says, and free those who all their lives. So he, we are saved from things, but we are also saved to other things, to life, and to freedom, true freedom that is given in Jesus. I was reminded of a YouTube clip I watched some time ago. I wonder if you have watched it as well. He is not my son, but if we can play it, please. Wait, no. No. Hayes, uh-uh, don't do it. No. Don't do it. No. Don't do it. Don't do it. No. 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 Don't even think of no. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Don't even think about no. Uh-uh, no. 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 What does it have to do with Hebrews 2? Nothing. I just found it cute. and uh, <laughs> I'm joking. Actually, when I saw it, I thought to myself, how often, even followers of Christ, but certainly people in our society think, if God exists, he's shouting to us, no, no to your pleasures, no to sex. No to like no 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 and the author of Hebrews is affirming a truth that is echoed across the scriptures to say actually in Christ God is shouting yes 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 to life yes to freedom yes to my plans and my dreams for your life yes to reconciliation yes to forgiveness yes to true meaning true joy Yes, not your yeses, because you do not know what is best. I am the creator, as Hebrews has been emphasizing. You are a creation, loved by me, but I know what is best for you. And in Christ, the promises of God are a yes. He saved us, 
the author of Hebrews is saying. He became a man and humbled and suffered so God could shout a yes in our lives. Yes to his family. Do you know that God? Talking about children, I will never forget when um, our children were smaller and uh, we had to pick up our two older boys at school. The oldest was six, the other was four, and the twins were just a few months old. And Anna, was, uh, that particular day, was sick. So I had to go on my own to pick up the two older boys with the twins. So I left home. We could walk to the school. I push, uh, pushing the, well, the push chair. Well, actually, it looks like a bus. It's for twins. So <laughs> you can picture me pushing the bus with the two, Valentina and Pietro, and going to the school, getting to the school, seeing my, one of my sons, who was four, but I couldn't find the other who was six. So one of the teachers said, oh, he's in the bathroom crying. So I continue to push the bus, take my four-year-old, and I come to the bathroom, open it, and I find my son crying with his trousers. That's how we say it here. Right? Wet. And he was crying, saying, Dad, Dad, I, I, I couldn't hold it, and I wet myself. And I am so embarrassed, ashamed. I don't want to go out. Everyone will see that I am wet. So for a moment, I thought I had a jacket, a jacket with me, and I said, son, let's do the following. Dad is going to get his jacket out. I'm going to get you in my arms. Get the jacket around you. And we will leave the school, and no one will see that you are wet. Is that okay? Yeah, Dad, okay, okay. So picture me, getting my son with one hand, the jacket around, the bus with the other hand, and my four-year-old kind of holding my leg. And as I was leaving, I was thinking to myself, no one will see my son wet. But a thought came to my mind. God has done the same with me. In my sin, in your sin, in our shame, in my slavery, he came, took me in his arms, and gave me a divine exchange. When I embraced my son, I could feel a hot liquid <laughs> and he could feel my arms. My friends, being careful with appropriate metaphors, this seems to be what the author of Hebrews once again is reminding us. He came and he came to us. He reached us where we were incapable of being free. But by grace, we have been saved by this Savior called Jesus. Who shared our humanity. In fifth place, therefore, I want to highlight what the author seems to highlight. For example, in verse 
14 and 17, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. This is extremely profound. He shared in our humanity so that by his death, he might do what he did. Or also, later on, verse 17, it says, for this reason he had... And there is an emphasis in the original language in this passage. He had to do this. Or before, it was fitting that God, that's God's plan in his sovereignty and goodness, he decided it had to happen. Verse 17 was again, for this reason, he had to be made like them, like you and me as well, not like the angels. He came lower. He came And made himself one of us who were created in the image of God. Verse 17. To be made like them fully human in every way. Jesus became fully human in every way. In order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. He shared our humanity, extended incomparable empathy, so that you and I can today trust that Jesus knows everything we go through. The Bible is saying, verse 18, because himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Are you being tempted in any area? If you have two more hours, I can list you where I'm being tempted at the moment, I'm sure you also need a couple of hours, certainly. But what, a, what an encouragement to realize that God himself made men was tempted in everything. So when I struggle with uh, unholy ambition, when you and I or we or whoever might struggle with uh, corruption, or we might struggle with our words or thoughts, toxic relationships, a desire to end our lives, Sexual temptations, that addiction that perhaps some of us may be struggling with, or those websites you know you shouldn't be accessing, but you are, or those pictures that you are looking at on Instagram, or those videos you keep looking at on TikTok, or that sort of conversations you are having with someone in a tone and way that you know you shouldn't be doing. Anyhow, all those temptations, in a way the Bible is saying, though Jesus never sinned, he was exposed to temptations in such a way that he empathizes and he relates to us, not from a distance, but as one of us. And therefore, we share this humanity and he therefore is dignifying, once again I say this, humans. Changing us, not so that one day we are no longer humans, God created us to be humans. He wants us, though, to become better humans, just like Jesus, and embrace the full humanity that he dreamed and desired to all of us. Are you still with me? But finally, and I want to take some more minutes, and I don't want to be repetitive, but I want to think again, our interpreters, we are here serving together. 
and your service is quite amazing. Thank you very, very much. Finally, I want to highlight what we find in verse 9 and 10, for example. That Jesus did what he did. End of verse 9. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. He did what he did to die on that cross in our place. For everyone, says this part of scriptures. And follow says in verse 10. Following verse 10 says, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory. And later on, he speaks of Jesus and he quotes Psalm 22, the same Psalm that Jesus quoted on the cross, to say that I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. He is therefore our brother. He has called us to his family. And this family keeps growing. And I appreciate the emphasis on the everyone and bringing many that it seems to be communicating. This is true for those of you hearing this sermon, reading this epistle. But this is going to become true to many others in other places. As you understand finally the mission of Christ. To which he now calls us to be a part of. He's calling us to, uh, to himself. But also he calls us to cooperate in his mission around the world. So that many more people might know this Jesus that is being proclaimed. It was a Sunday. My family and I had been to our church meeting uh, in Curitiba, the south of Brazil. We were having lunch. I have two younger brothers. And uh, I was, I think, 11 or 12. My other brother, who was nine then, was around the table. And the little one, who was maybe four at that time, had gone out to play with a friend uh, by the houses we lived. When suddenly we heard the four-year-old, shouting from our neighbor's backyard, Help! Help! Of course, I finished my meal. <laughs> and oh, I'm joking, of course. Immediately, I and my other brother stood up and we went out, saw that the side door gate of our neighbor's was open, so we went through, noted, noticed that they weren't home, but we heard my brother shouting from the backyard where there was a big swimming pool. And when we get there, we find that my brother's friend, who was also around four, had fallen in the swimming pool. And he was drowning. And my brother couldn't save him. And he was shouting. Let me pause this story. I'll come back to it in a few minutes. I want to make sure you're still awake. And I want to remind you that Jesus himself said in Matthew 28, 18 and 19, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And 
We may think, whoa, Jesus was surely innovative in taking the geography of God's action to a global level. Well, actually, he wasn't. It had been God's way of acting, God's plan from the beginning of history. And the Bible records it. Please follow along with me. Uh, for example, in Genesis 9:1, after the flood, we read that then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. In Genesis 11, humanity full of pride says, let us build ourselves our city. And they were scattered. And then the Bible says that now God comes, sees them. And as a consequence, the Bible says twice, God is scattered and dispersed them from there over all the earth. Exodus 9, 16, God to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, he says, but I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. First Chronicles 16, 23. And now James is thinking, he is indeed going to speak three hours if he's still in First Chronicles. I won't. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Psalm 33, 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Isaiah 52, 10 says, all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Ezekiel 39, 21 says, I will display my glory among the nations. Zephaniah 2, 11 says, the nations on every shore will worship him. We could go on with examples. I end with Revelation 7, 9. After these John says, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. So from Genesis to Revelation, from the beginning to the end of history, we find a God on a mission reaching out globally, making his holy name known throughout the earth, saving and forming a people, a family, the church, from all the nations. And Jesus every day is calling more and more people, brothers and sisters, because of what he has done. It is the mission of God. But he calls us to engage in that mission, making his name known in a local mission, which is both local and global at the same time. As John Stott has written, we must be global Christians with a global mission because our God is a global God. Or as Chris Wright says, all that God is doing in his great purpose for the whole of creation and all that he calls us, his church, to do in cooperation with that purpose, that is the mission of God. Therefore, my friends... We must be reminded that every Christian is a human being on a mission. Oh, but I work for HSBC. I worked for HSBC as well 22 years ago back in Brazil. Well, remember, you work for God in HSBC. We play in different positions of the team, but we are all playing. Some of us, like myself, who after working for HSFC and then for General Motors and uh, Anna being a social worker, God reoriented our vocation, reoriented our, our geography, and we went out of Brazil 
as missionaries, leaving our jobs and raising our support because God had a specific plan in our vocation. I don't know what plan he has for your life, but what I do know is that we are all called to God's mission. Whatever we do, we are not here on a holiday. We are here on a mission. Going back to the story, we got there. Imagine that I saw the boy drowning and I thought to myself, I remember that my grandmother used to say, if you eat and then you swim, you can die. (laughs) So, well, it's better that one die than two of us. What would you think of me? Or, it was a bit chilly. Even raining. I get me get a cold. It's his fault. Me. What a lack of responsibility. It's his fault. What would you think of me? You don't have a heart. You could have done something, but you didn't do it. I have to say that experience, which I never forgot, taught me a lot. Of course, my brother jumped, mother brother jumped in the pool and I reached the ladder ladder and was able to reach them and and we got the boy out of the swimming pool and we saved him. His mom then came to thank us and gave us 20,000 pounds. (laughs) Well, she didn't give the money, but she did come to thank us. I just dreamed about the money. But anyhow... (laughs) Isn't that a picture of our world. Many are drowning without Jesus. And many are going to be eternally separated from Jesus. But we have experienced such a great salvation. And we are now called to share this Jesus, to engage in his mission. And perhaps some of us, even God is calling you to a different geography and a different vocation. What would it mean to us to say we are going to jump to the pool in Keswick, in London, wherever I live, and throughout the world, because I've known this Jesus, and we are confident that he is powerful to save and to change lives. All of us are called to join with God's mission, So the good news of Jesus Christ goes to the ends of the earth. All of us are to make Christ known wherever we are, in our homes, workplaces, and our neighborhoods. But it may be that this evening, that God is leading some of you to a change of direction, a new focus for your life, a new sphere of service. Perhaps you are wondering if he's leading you to take the gospel to an unreached people or to serve God in another culture or another context, either in this country or overseas. Or maybe you've not felt God leading you to a new sphere of service, but he has given you a desire to serve where you are with a renewed commitment, energy, and confidence and urgency. We would love to help you make that response. And once the service is over, we will have a team ready to pray with you. If you are making the decision in reaction to God's word to recommit your life to his mission, 
either in the vocation you already have and the location God has placed you, or if maybe some of us, like it happened to my wife and myself, God is changing things and calling you to something new. For now, allow me to pray. And to thank you, Jesus, for your word. In Hebrews 2, reminding us that Jesus became a man according to scriptures. And your promises were fulfilled in Christ, your son. And we are impressed by his humility, becoming lower than the angels. But then, sitting on the right hand of the Father, he was glorified. And Jesus is on the throne. He died, but was raised from the dead. And his death, only through his death and resurrection, salvation is offered. Because you, Jesus, became one of us. Shared humanity with us. Being a perfect human being. And God at the same time. You call us to yourself first of all. But you call us to your mission. Of growing your family. And engaging in all you are doing in this world. Until you return. Maybe in ten minutes. In a hundred years. But until then. Would you please. Fill us with your spirit, who gives us greater confidence in who you are, Jesus. And may we spread the name of Jesus all across the UK and the world for the glory of your name and the extinction of your kingdom.